Welcome, friends. My name is Debbie Lawrence, and this is episode 16 of the Compassionate Leader School podcast. If you've sat in one of my classes, followed me on social media, heard me speak, or been a client, you know that I often talk about how it takes a village to establish, nurture, and grow a business. Every company needs the collective efforts and support of many to ensure its sustenance and its success. As a villager, especially as a business owner in your respective town or city, you have a responsibility to the greater community to give back to the people who have stood by your side. You know, as business people, we declare our entrepreneurial spirit when we believe we have a product or service of value to offer and are at least willing to try. Knowing we're able to do business better or different from anyone else, we sense we're the very people meant to do just that right here right now. Sometimes when we've been in business for a while, we become complacent, quietly comfortable in our own world. I think it's, you know, the memories of the fears and the doubts and challenges and frustrations that often dominate the early days of business startup. I think they begin to fade. And for some, so does their compassion or their drive for helping aspiring entrepreneurs who are seeking the support and mentorship of more established proven business people. Somehow, I think our sense of humanity is clouded by other demands on our time and energy at that point in our business development. I speak often about the importance of building what I call abundant circles of support, of identifying key people who really support and champion you, and of building a strong network of contacts to support your company's growth. I strongly believe in the importance of supporting each other and of giving back. So I believe that you've got to ask for support, and I also believe that you've got to pay that uh, pay that forward. In fact, one of my favorite suggestions to solopreneurs is to create their very own advisory board. You know, when you think about it, the large corporations and not-for-profits have boards of directors, and they're made up of people from various aspects of the general community and the business community who bring a skill set, an expertise, uh, a network to the table, and they help to guide these corporations, and they help to guide these nonprofit organizations. Well, Well, when you're in business all by yourself, it can get lonely. So many entrepreneurs have shared with me over the years how it's hard not having family or friends who understand business, who have been there. So they don't really have anyone to talk to about some of the challenges and questions that they have around running a business day in and day out. So I say, mirror what the big dogs are doing. Look to your community. And this is what I suggest that my clients do. Look for three or four people who have certain expertise. I often say, look for people who have an expertise that maybe you're not bringing to the table or that your business needs at this particular stage in its development. And so you want them to have an expertise that your business can benefit from and people who would be happy to meet as a small advisory board. 
meet once a quarter or a couple of times a year and ask them to offer their advice. I recommend that you target individuals. This is this seems to be the people who really step up to the plate and embrace this opportunity. They are people who are more advanced in their careers. So that means that they've got the time and the flexibility and often a real deep desire to be able to mentor someone or look for people who have retired. You know, think of a, of a friend of mine who really felt lost after he retired. He had been a bank manager for years and he said to me, you know, I still have a lot to offer and I, I would really like to find a way that I could give back or offer some support, particularly to the business community, because he loved that aspect of of banking. He loved being able to help his business clients. Now, I say make sure that you have an agenda for your meeting. Provide them with reading material in advance if if it's going to be required. You know, sometimes it's helpful to provide them with some of the financials or um, if there's a proposal that you want to in draft form that you want to get their input on, whatever it is, make sure that they can come to the meeting prepared. Stick to the time frame that you're asking them to give. So if you say it's a three hour meeting, make it a three hour meeting, not three and a half or four hours because they'll be less um, excited about coming the next time. Uh, people don't like that. So respect their time. Find a private space to have the meeting. And here's the clincher, feed them well. I learned early in my career that good drinks, like good coffee for me, and food works wonders. It works wonders for staff meetings, for client appointments, for any kind of volunteer venture. So feed your people well. You know, I've had a number of clients create their own advisory board, and it's for every single one of them. It has lasted. And it has been a very positive experience for everybody who's involved. And then there are, you know, those added bonuses because you're building a relationship so that in between meetings, what naturally evolves is if they're looking for a quick opinion, they can pick up the phone or send an email to their advisory team. And they're happy to be able to uh, to uh, give advice. People love to give advice. People love uh, sharing from their own experiences. So don't be reluctant uh, with respect to that. They've also found it really helpful when they've uh, been trying to Uh, find out who they should contact for somebody. Uh, They'll reach out to their advisory board members. And often what happens is if they don't know, they know somebody who will know. And it's not unusual that one of the members of the advisory team will actually make an introduction between for for that business person and this other person that they want to meet. So think about what kind of support you need, who might be able to help and then act on that. I also want to offer this advice. When you're asking something of someone else, be very clear, be very specific about what you want. This will make it so much easier for the other person to step forward and be a part of your your abundant circle of support. There's this, you know, this thing called, this reminds me of that six degrees of separation, which is the idea that all people are six or fewer social connections away from each other. It's also known as the six handshakes rule, where you can imagine this chain of a friend of a friend that it gets created connecting any two people in a maximum of six steps. Sometimes it's you know three degrees of separation. It's only three people away. I believe anything you need 
whether that's the answer to a question, a person who can provide a service, or someone who can introduce you to someone else in this whole world is only about six people away from you right now. And you just have to ignite the chain by asking the first person. And I've also heard research over the last couple of years that has identified that since the introduction of the internet, this notion of the six degrees of separation, or as I like to think of it, the six handshakes rule, has actually been reduced to an average of about four degrees of separation. And it's only three degrees of separation within your own local community. Who knew? So take advantage of that. Now, remember, there has to be give and take. I wonder if you conducted a review of how well you've been making a contribution what kind of grade would you give yourself? And would you like that grade? You know, how are you giving back? Are you mentoring anyone? What businesses or business person in particular are you supporting? Is there anyone out there who would describe you as a champion of their business efforts? Regardless of your self-assigned score, the good news is that it's really never too late to make a difference. There are always enriching opportunities to lend a hand, a slice of advice, or a few words of encouragement, the kinds of gestures that could have a major impact on the outcome of someone else's goals and dreams and their success in getting their business off the ground and past those first couple of years when it is really the hardest. For example, become a mentor to a business person or an aspiring entrepreneur. So when a person's in the early stages of planning and launching a business, as I was just talking about, she often finds herself anchored in a sea of questions. You know, they want to know things like, how do I negotiate a lease? How do I calculate the quantities of raw materials? Or how do I, uh, you know, how much stock should I order? How do I price my products? How do I choose a financial institution to support my business growth? The fundamentals, how do I register? my business? How should I conduct an interview when I'm hiring my very first staff person? What do I do if a customer is not responding to my requests for payment on invoices? It's a long list and if anything, the list just keeps growing. And I think that it would be great if you could be that person that, that they could pick up the phone and call and would help to give them some guidance. You know, it reminds me of a client, Brenda, who I remember she was so grateful when a seasoned entrepreneur she met at a conference offered her help with establishing relationships with um, her business connections in the larger corporations. So these were the same companies Brenda had been struggling to get inside. She couldn't get the door open. And to this mentor's credit, she followed up her words with action by making some phone calls that immediately opened doors for Brenda. And it set up an introductory meeting that eventually led to substantial orders from a couple of these companies. You know, I remember um, Yvette Hatcher. She used to run a flower shop here in my hometown of Truro called Suckling and Chase. And it happened to be across the street from where my downtown office was located at the time. And I loved it when I learned that whenever a new business opened its doors in our neighborhood, Yvette would arrive on the doorstep with a plant or bouquet of flowers, a broad smile, and a warm welcome. And I was the recipient of one of those. It was, she said, it was just a small gesture, but I'm going to tell you, it made a grand impression on me and the other people who were the recipients of her generosity. 
Actions like Yvette's also help to set the tone for how business owners are expected to treat each other, certainly in their neighborhood. And for that, she will always have my admiration. One thing that I like to do is to invite a novice business owner to join me for a networking function or seminar. I then make it a point to introduce that person to as many of my contacts there as possible. I find these kinds of introductions can help cut through the awkwardness of first encounters and make people more comfortable when you know talking business with one another. When it comes to mentoring, it will be important for you to ensure that it doesn't just land as a one-sided relationship. This can happen when the person you're mentoring has an expectation that as their mentor, you'll be there to do everything for them, as opposed to teaching them what you have learned over time. It sort of echoes the parable of give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, but teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. So make sure that in your relationship, the kind of support you're offering is feeding that person for a lifetime. What I recommend is that you figure out how you can help an entrepreneur in a specific way that allows for a transfer of knowledge. So set a period of time during which you're willing to be their mentor and agree on clearly defined goals. This approach ensures you both have defined starting and ending points, making it much easier to cut the umbilical cord when the business owner you're mentoring really is ready to fly on their own. I also believe we can make a difference when we volunteer with our youth. There are many ways to do this, including participating in job shadowing and youth entrepreneurial programs like Junior Achievement. You could also offer to be a guest lecturer for a high school entrepreneurship class. Whatever you do, this pay it forward thinking plant seeds that most young people will carry with them forever and harvest someday in the future when they pay it forward to the next generation of budding entrepreneurs. Even for those who are extremely taxed for time, there's always simple things that you can do, simple ways of making a contribution. One client, for example, gives her former high school library an annual subscription to her favorite business magazine. A friend has a favorite book that she gifts to young people she meets who indicate that they have an interest in self-employment. I had a wonderful experience myself many, many years ago when I teamed up with two fellow college instructors to participate in an entrepreneurial case study with uh, a group of business management students. We were the entrepreneurial advisors. And so as their advisors, we each worked with a team of students who formed and operated companies similar to the junior achievement model. The clincher was that we were competing against each other for the title of most successful business venture by earning the highest profit over a prescribed period of time. My co-advisors and I had a lot of fun with this project. And I remember the highlight came in the 11th hour when one of the companies had a significant lead. And of course it wasn't my company. So not to be outperformed, I gathered with my team to assess our situation and to strategize as to how we could win the competition. So during our meeting, one of the members of our team was a young student named Donna. She was very reserved and very methodical, and she was in charge of finance for our mock company. And she quietly suggested what I thought was a rather radical strategy at the time. Her idea was to approach the third company, who also were not in the lead, and propose that the two companies, our company and, and their company, Um, take on a corporate merger 
And that's exactly what we did just hours before the competition came to a close because the blending of our companies meant that we were able to combine our earnings, which put us ahead of the leading company. It was all in good fun, although I believe the college modified the rules the following year for the entrepreneurial case study. What I remember most was how exhilarated the students were throughout the process and the extent to which they experienced business ownership as it was in the real world. That was four months of a weekly commitment I wouldn't have traded for anything. For those of you who are members of business and networking related groups and associations, maybe you could approach another entrepreneur you believe would benefit by joining your group. Invite him or her to come to a meeting and show them how to become involved. We all like to know we're wanted and we feel validated by belonging to something where there are like-minded people and knowing that they want us to be a part of what they're doing. I remember I had a client, Eleanor, who um, she's a beautiful artist, and she called me one day. She was so excited because a member of an artist support group had reached out to her and invited her to their next meeting. And when she was on the phone, she was almost gushing. And she said, isn't that the best news? They want me to be one of them. You just never know how you might make a world of difference for someone else. So You have to ask for what support you need and you need to be willing to pay it forward for someone else. That's how we build our village. And that's why I say it takes a village. One business person helping another business person at a time. I think of of author Hadia Bajar who said, the fragrance always stays in the hand that gives the rose. Like a vet, be that hand that carries a bouquet to your business neighbors. Be determined to pave many roads that help to define your village. The principle of synergy says that the sum of the parts is always greater than the whole. As one of those integral parts, commit to supporting a local business first. Choose actions that will serve to empower yourself and others. Become the villager you know you're capable of being. Okay, compassionate leaders, here's your take action challenge. I want you to answer these three questions for yourself. One, the way I would most enjoy giving back to my community is. Two, the person or group I can contact about doing this is. And number three, I'm committed to making this connection by no later than blank. So how do you enjoy giving back? Who do you think you can help? And when are you going to reach out and offer that help? And now go and make that happen. Finally, I want to remind you, as I always do, if you haven't done so already, please go to my website, debbielawrence.ca, and sign up for this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a comment or write a review. I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, here's to giving ourselves permission to show up as open, fierce, and compassionate leaders and always to living life abundantly. Bye for now.